from Movendi International, I'm Mike Dünnbier. This is the Alcohol Issues Podcast. It's Tuesday, February 15th, 2021. Warm welcome to this special episode of the Alcohol Issues Podcast. As dry February is in full swing in several countries, many people are continuing going alcohol-free after dry January. And there is this huge interest in digital sober communities around the world. We are today bringing you a conversation with and about Hello Sunday Morning and dry January. And the context of this is actually quite impressive. There is the cultural phenomenon, of course, of Dry January, increasingly popular around the world. There is a campaign to spend February alcohol-free, also in several parts of the world. There are initiatives for Sober Spring. Dry July and Sober October have also been established and enjoy increasing popularity. And there are campaigns supporting people to spend the holidays alcohol-free. All this is going on and deserves bigger and better attention. Hello Sunday Morning and their Daybreaker app, as well as Dry January and their Try Dry app, are really outstanding examples of the success and momentum to use digital technologies in support of people who want to reduce and quit their alcohol use and who want to achieve other health and life goals in doing so. Last October to celebrate World Alcohol Free Day on October 3rd and to support Sober October, we arranged a so-called Sober Inspiration talk with Andy Moore, the CEO of Hello Sunday Morning and Richard Piper, the Chief Executive of Alcohol Change UK which is the charity running Dry January. And this Sober Inspiration talk was such an inspiring and insightful conversation that we want to share and bring some of the highlights back to you. In this special edition today, I am joined by Kristina Sperkova, the president of Movendi International, and the moderator of the Sober Inspiration talk with Andy and Richard back in October. Christina and I picked some highlights from the original conversation that we want to share with you and we want to discuss some points that Richard and Andy raised in more detail and more depth. Andy and Richard are both outstanding leaders in community efforts to change the alcohol norm, to make alcohol-free choices more available for more and to provide support for anyone who wants to reflect about their alcohol use and who looks for change. Both Hello Sunday Morning and Dry January have already helped millions of people. Together they and we and many others are flipping the script on alcohol and on alcohol's role in our communities and societies. There is a personal, social and even a policy dimension to this work and to this conversation. Unpacking the insights and wisdoms that Andy and Richard shared was great fun for Christina and myself and so 
We hope our conversation transports this sentiment well and that you take with you some of these insights. The people who sign up and do a dry January through us, that's the sort of 100,000 number, um, uh, over 70% of those stay dry during the month. But most important, all the other measures kind of are really, really high. So we're in the high 80s for... Uh, sleeping better, better energy, psychological shift, starting to feel in control, feeling inspired to carry on, believing I need to do something about this. So actually this brick wall of denial that a lot of people have has been cracked and people really start to rethink um, that they need, they need to do something and they believe they can do something. Um, people who do a dry January unsupported, so people who just decide to go dry themselves, uh, Fewer than 40%, around 33% of people um, are, are managing to stay dry. And actually, critically, six months later, that group are back where they started. Whereas the group that have been with us, two-thirds of them are drinking less. 13% um, of them have decided to stop drinking completely. So the key really is that support package around dry January. And that's why it's critical to us to encourage people what we say, do it properly, <laughs> join the team, be part of the gang or whatever kind of language works for you. But, but don't just try and go on your own with this thing because you won't really get any benefits. Christina, now we just listened to Richard and can you just start us off by telling us why you selected this part? Yes. So I selected it because the difference between joining the community and being part of Dry January on an individual level is huge. And I think it's eye-opening and it's impressive. To your mind, having had this conversation with Andy and Richard, why is the community dimension so remarkable for you? I think that we have lost a little bit the sense of Uh, the strength of the community and uh, it's actually one of the most important feelings we can experience is this feeling of belonging which also then makes us feel good about ourselves but also motivates us to do something and not only for ourselves but also for the community or for the society and uh, that was a good reminder Yeah, I agree with you, Christina. I think it's very interesting that Richard talks about a support package and, of course, the community that also provides the support. The other thing that I found very interesting from this overall conversation is that there is a little difference between reasons to begin dry January and reasons to continue or even to continue to reduce alcohol or to stay alcohol free even longer did you also think about that yes this is a good question mike what happens to people when they stop using alcohol they realize much more about themselves than they thought they would realize yeah and i think this is a great point a good transition to actually the next excerpt you picked from the conversation with andy and richard so let's get to that one Interestingly, it's important to us that we, um, a lot of people sign up for the physical benefits, <laughs> but then they, what, they really, what they really value at the end are things they didn't value at the start. So I think it's really important that. And um, so, so, but actually we've, we've learned that if we talk about the stuff that you'll realize at the end, if we talk about that stuff at the beginning, people are kind of, what? 
Whereas, so, so it's important to kind of maybe, I'll, I'll do it a bit of a journey, really. So you mentioned if you're going through the program, kind of the things we, the most motivating thing um, is actually weight loss. Now, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I think is to be debated. But weight loss is absolutely a, um, right at the top of the list um, of, of motivators that people have going in. Um, feeling in control of their drinking is the second one. And it's great to see that so high. It means we're hitting the right demographic there. Um, but also um, having more energy, um, uh, feeling more um, uh, sort of positive about yourself. So sort of psychological kind of self-esteem, self-confidence, they actually come up quite early on. Um, and when you look at the sort of benefits that people get at the end, interestingly, the weight loss is one of the, the lowest on the list. I'm sure um, anyone who's been through any of these challenges will probably know exactly what I'm about to say, uh, which is that during the month of not drinking, people get sugar cravings uh, <laughs> and will find themselves yeah. eating huge amounts of cake and uh, yeah. chocolate bars. Yeah. And, you know, just people that people that never associate themselves with having a sweet tooth um, suddenly find, find that. So, so actually the weight loss is often the biggest thing people want but the thing they fewest people get so 56 percent of our, our guys um, manage weight loss in the in the month one of the big benefits physically that people don't expect uh, but once they've got it they love it is sleeping um yeah. so you know many people will be sent off to sleep with alcohol uh, but they will have a very disturbed sleep um, i mean actually disturbed because you're needing to get up to the toilet um, or, or just not sleeping as well and waking up feeling groggy. Um, you know, a lot of people associate fit waking up feeling groggy with adulthood. <laughs> they don't realize it's actually associated with drinking every day. Um, and if you cut out that drinking, you can wake up feeling like an eight year old wanting to bounce on the bed. And that's amazing. So people really, really value that. Um, and then, of course, we've done, you know, um, I'm sure many of you are aware of the scientific studies, you know, so the cancer, cancer proteins in the, in the blood will already have dropped after 31 days, um, liver function starting to improve, um, heart, heart risk um, has, has dropped slightly, cholesterol will have dropped. So, so actually there's a range of very important physical benefits that you kind of on your insides that you can't feel. But finally, I'll just finish here. There are, I think there are four big, the, what I would call the, the most important big things in, in that we talk about in dry January, what we call four big, um, almost like uh, psychological changes. So, so the first, and I would say the, the best way to think about these is learnings, they're things you can learn. The first thing is people learn, we might have, I might have a bit of a problem here, particularly day three, day four, day five, why am I finding this hard? And I think that's actually incredible learning, that learning that you might have a bit of an issue. And that's why it's so important to us that we sweep up large parts of the population who might not think they've got an issue, but actually they do. And the second thing that people learn um, is the associational triggers, um, the, the, the habits they've got that they didn't know they've had. Suddenly those habits become very visible, very clear. It might be a person that prompts them to drink. It might be a, a friend. It might be a place. Uh, it might be a location in their house. It might be a cupboard. It might be a glass. It might be the fridge. It might be a certain time of day. Uh, and being able to map those really gives people power. Um, to be able to, to spot those. And then the third thing is doing something about those. <laughs> so, 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 you know, we, we think dry January, you know, staying completely dry is really not that big of benefit in some ways. Actually, someone who's had a couple of days where they've drunk but have worked out what went wrong and learned from that has probably got as much, if not more, from the month than someone who's, who's managed it really easily. So actually learning how to overcome and learning not to beat yourself up 
and there's sort of this this learning that you can overcome these associations and these challenges and then finally and fourthly uh believing that this is a benefit and feeling those benefits so 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 i would say those four are sort of um you know overcoming denial um learning associational triggers uh, growth in self-efficacy and the ability to overcome and a belief that this is desirable long-term change is a core package and in four four weeks you can get all those four things you can set someone up essentially for a lifetime of, of, of behavioral and social change for themselves around uh, because it's not a challenge people don't come in necessarily to lose weight i think a lot of people come in because and as i said a lot of them are problem drinkers and at the kind of the risk end of the scale i think it's the psychological kind of uh um components to this that that people are really looking for um and i think you know a lot of people talk about the fact that they've lost control, that it's insidious, that it's taken over their lives, that they have no control over it, that they have no power over it. And I think for many people, uh, Daybreak and uh, and listening to other people who've gone through the process uh, and and talking and cracking it and uh, understanding not to kind of beat themselves up at certain points if they fall off the wagon, is the fact that they're getting back some sort of element of control. The fact that they've lost that control when uh, and understanding that they, they do have a problem and getting that control back is extremely powerful for people, um, not just in fact around alcohol, but life in general, that they have the power to be able to do this. And I think a lot of the lightning, the lightning kind of thing, the idea, the light bulb for us is the fact that they know other people are going through the same thing uh, and they're not doing it alone. And the, the fact that there's so many people out there that are struggling with exactly the same things that they're struggling with uh, and uh, but talk very openly about it means that they have an opportunity to be stigma. Uh, and that I think that's hugely powerful for us in the fact that we're, we're basically giving them a support system to be able to take control of their lives again. Uh, and so many people come to us and say that, you know, a lot have said to us that it's you know daybreak has saved their life um that they were at the the end of their cycle they couldn't they didn't know what to do they were at the wits end and literally daybreak has liberated them from something that has controlled them for so long christina now we listen to both andy and richard and can you tell us why you selected this part of the conversation for several reasons. I think there are several treasures there that we could dig out. Uh, one of them is this very simple, uh, the transition from physical to psychological that we have already mentioned. So I think that's uh, important to understand that people care for something that they see and that they can change or hope they can change. and then through the process they learn much more about themselves but the, the other one was also the sleep i think that was very interesting to listen to it and there i realized like yes so we associated bad sleep with adulthood and uh, while alcohol industry teaches us to associate all the good stuff with alcohol they of course will not uh, teach us to associate the real, the real reasons like bad sleep with their product. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I thought this was a really interesting insight, great quote, so to say, to put on social media, but really a truth bomb about the alcohol norm, what it does. And I think the other part of the conversation here that really 
elucidates what the alcohol norm does is that they talk about that people understand how difficult it is to stay alcohol free once they have joined dry January or uh, like Andy is talking about that people realize that they have a problem and they want to deal with it. And I think this kind of understanding that we have an alcohol problem that doesn't look like a homeless person uh, intoxicated early in the morning. It's something else and people get to experience it and get to get help around it in, in these alcohol-free challenges. Yes, I, I agree with you. And then also you learn really how to get through it or get over it. Uh, with the help of others, but also, if I understand it correctly, they teach you about like habits, actually, and like what are the triggers of your behavior, so really understanding of yourself. I think that Andy made a good point there about the dimension of empowerment. I think that self-agency is so important, and of course, in Movendi International, we always talk about that alcohol is also an obstacle to citizenship and democracy and i think you can hear it here that people like you are saying they start understanding themselves the triggers they have the habits they start questioning it but they also get tools and so they start feeling stronger self-esteem and they start experiencing stronger agency and i think that's beautiful in in the in a bigger sense than just ditching the booze you know or having an alcohol-free month, it's really like, yeah, becoming an active part of the community. Yeah, and like what I really like is that they also Andy and Richard, both of them are saying that this uh, kind of month or this uh, challenge or change in their life uh, actually saves people's lives. Uh, and they believe that this change can be long-lasting. And I think that's what you are talking also about, that it's empowering. And then when people are empowered, they will also start acting upon it. You know, I, I think we've been really careful to um, position ourselves as a very positive, almost like a lifestyle brand, almost like an Instagram brand in a, in a way. And so, you know, we're not, you know, we're not finger pointing at people. We're not negative. We're really positive. We're really inspirational. Uh, the imagery and the language that we use is very positive. And I think that, you know, I think the fact that we've got um, good uh, reach within the community and people understand us and know us has started this conversation. So, you know, we put out a lot of content, uh, very, you know, you know, steady stream of content every single day or every other day uh, with people who have been through the process themselves or people who wanted to give up, but in a really, again, in a really positive kind of inspirational light. And I think positioning it in that way and allowing people to have those conversations around it, uh, it is something where I think it started way to go um, but the fact that there are people out there and people know that there are communities that they can get involved in and not feel as if they are ostracized anymore and the feel that there isn't a stigma less of a stigma when they do talk about these things will start to spread out and um, and so there is a, there is certainly a long way to go but I think you know there is a groundswell starting to happen and I'm, I'm very positive about it I, I just to, just to pick up on that I think you know 
one of the most important things uh, and and you know we've talked a bit about the individual benefits but it's important also to talk about the cultural benefits of dry january so um you know me and my colleagues are not off the radio from the 27th of december to the you know 15th of january and and towards the end of january we get a very big second sort of spike um and, and every one of those conversations you know yes of course we're we're encouraging people to to you know to be part of the team join the gang do it properly but you know but actually we don't need to be going on we're not going on on the air to persuade people to do dry january partly because it's not for us to persuade anyone to do anything it's just an open invitation um secondly because we don't need to, any more people doing dry january we have four million adults is one in ten of the uk adult population that's more than enough um what's really really exciting is the conversations about um all the, all the simple myths, you know, so, so we know the questions we're going to get asked by every radio interview. It's like, isn't this like a horrible time to do something crap? It's like, this isn't crap. And why isn't this crap? Why is this not a, a bad thing to do? Well, why is it a good thing to do? What, and just really starting to challenge all those sort of um, norms. And I think challenging those norms but in a lighthearted way. So I think, you know, I take what Andy says about positivity and inspiration. That's essential as well to us. I think, um, yeah, we, we're not finger wagging um at all um lots of positive lots of inspiration uh, but also um plenty of humor to challenge those norms actually um and i think you know once people once people realize how 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 crazy it is to criticize a non-drinker um for whatever reason they choose not to drink uh, you can actually do it in a, it's quite a funny it's quite a funny way to talk about there are funny ways to talk about that actually um you know you can you can make 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 good headway with that actually that's actually very very engaging for people um and we also have some serious messaging around that as well so it's important to say that you know we as an organization we as a charity we don't it just work on behavior change that would that can only be half the picture we also have to change the environment i mean I, i'm often I like the metaphor that, you know, the people who succeed with us um, uh, and there are tens of thousands of people succeeding with us every year, uh, which is keeping people out of hospitals and saving people's lives, as Andy said. Uh, but those those are people who are, I, I, I imagine them as like fish swimming against the tide. And it's like they by the by the time they've managed to kind of be successful, they are so fit. They are so strong. They're so healthy. But actually what we really need to be doing is shifting the tide we need to be shifting as well the environment around and i as an organization we stand very very strongly on the ground that the alcohol harm is a complex and a holistic problem that's got to be resolved um at every level christina now we listen to andy and richard for the third time why did you select this part of your conversation with them There were two things that resonated strongly with me. One was the language and the focus on positivity around alcohol-free life or lifestyle choices. And the other one was the cultural change they are bringing with these kind of initiatives. And what do you want to discuss first? Language and positive imagery or the cultural change? Let's go for the language. Probably that's an element of the overall cultural change so what is it that you paid attention to or that you want to highlight you know i have always liked the name of hello sunday morning because and uh, andy he also explains it in the podcast that it has 
come about by the the guy who started actually the blog about Hello Sunday Morning that he would write about his experiences with alcohol-free life and then he would always sign off the blog with Hello Sunday Morning. But he could also sign it bye-bye hangovers or anything like that but he focused on the really on the on the win from this and that's a very small nuance that i really liked and i think that also goes through hello sunday morning and that they are really looking at all the positive parts i think you called it a small nuance now and i think you are right but you are probably also understating what big of a shift this is and you might remember Christina when when we were working in the youth movement we did this exercise asking people to talk about why they choose to be alcohol free and they could not use negative formulations how difficult it was for people to say what they don't like about alcohol um, to skip that and to focus on everything that's positive when alcohol is not in the way. So I think this is language, but it signifies this kind of cultural shift to focus on everything that's beyond booze, that's available to us, that makes life worth much more and much richer. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I think that, for example, because it is difficult to find this kind of language that will then initiate the change. And uh, that's why I think that Hello Sunday Morning is a genius name. And also what I wanted to say is that I said it's a small nuance because for many people it can sound like a small nuance. It's the same thing like when we are talking about alcohol use versus drinking. like. In Movent International, we are talking alcohol use. And if, you, if I'm having a conversation with someone or even maybe if we train someone who should speak on behalf of Movent, it's like, okay, I, I said drinking instead of alcohol use. What's the difference? And it is, but it, it's a small change in a way in, in what we need to do, which will have a big impact. But this small change is not always easy to take or to adapt to. I also agree with you. I think that this overall shift that we now see in Dry January, Hello Sunday Morning and, and other platforms and initiatives to focus on all the benefits of being alcohol-free, of making all kinds of alcohol-free choices is really awesome and inspiring. And as uh, they were both talking about, it's about the images you use, the languages you use, uh, the, the aspects of life that you focus on, like you were saying, Christina, not to focus on that there is no hangover, but to focus on the opportunity that is awarded to everybody um, thanks to being alcohol-free. What I thought I wanted to ask you about, what I thought was interesting is that both talk about the positivity but they also do it in the way to separate themselves from the finger whacking. So that it's not moral uh, or moralizing. It's not about saying no or um, it's not about criticizing anybody. Did you notice this or did you have any thoughts about that? What I think is interesting is that people still have a need or they still must say that they are not moralizing even though they have for 
sometime already reflected on their language and reflected on what they are doing and they are really not moralizing and they are uh, they are lifting the, the benefits and supporting people. So that is the interesting part. Yeah, I agree. I think, as you said in the beginning of this part of the conversation, this is about language and then the cultural change. And so I think in this example of no finger wagging or moralizing, you can see how the language and the concepts we use and the overall culture and cultural change, how they are connected and linked. And for me, it's so important just to question where the concept comes from that we always have to separate ourselves from not moralizing, as you are saying, Christina. And I think that in terms of language, the whole community has to do an even better job. So we have to ask ourselves if we don't want to have stigma associated with alcohol problems, which language can we use and which language should we use? And we have to realize that the language that we have available today is actually very much determined by the alcohol industry. So we are still using concepts like misuse of alcohol, which implies that there is right and wrong use of alcohol. So that means there is stigma in the concept itself. If you are using alcohol wrongly, then it's your fault. The same story with the concept of responsible alcohol use. It's even more moral as a term, but the alcohol industry puts it on advertising all over Africa and on their websites all over the world. So we have to, I think, go beyond these kinds of concepts to really leave behind this old way of talking about alcohol that stigmatizes and that makes sure that people don't understand when they have a problem or that people don't understand when alcohol doesn't benefit them anymore. And I think in this conversation then, going from the previous part to language and cultural change, you can see how everything is connected and why the alcohol industry likes to keep using certain terms. So I, I thought that this is brought into focus also just with this term, aha, these guys, they are positive. Everything is about positivity, but they, they say something that is that they're actually not doing anymore. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm now thinking here a little bit whether we are not doing it too. I think that's some kind of uh, luggage that we are carrying with ourselves and also because we have, we are like from outside, we are very often still told and it comes from the industry or the fans of uh, alcohol use that we are that. So then it's like we are still in some kind of defending mode. So I think even though we are doing our best not to do it. So I think like here we need also much more confidence in uh, knowing what we are doing, why we are doing it. And that also that the language and how we behave is changing the culture. So we can actually really contribute to the change if we stand behind this kind of uh, realization or these insights that we have the discourse analysis so going from language and discourse analysis to cultural change is there something that 
you thought from this conversation you want to highlight? I think it was just great what Richard said about not changing only the behavior of the individuals who really benefit of it and have like a real great proof and it's very good to show an individual how they got strong and healthy um, and so and but not but we have to also look at the water we are swimming in not only on the fish and the tide has to be changed i think it was a really great metaphor and uh, Absolutely, I agree with him when he when he says that it's both like we can contribute to the change by this our individual change, like we discussed the language that we are contributing to the change of the culture, but we are also changing the culture through policies, and uh, that's like it's like a circle, like one supports the other. I agree with this. For me, the other part is really the focus and to be honest the contribution of both hello sunday morning and dry january to normalizing alcohol-free choices i think that uh, andy earlier talked about the feeling of being ostracized for making an alcohol-free choice and richard talks about the the always the same questions they are getting on the radio that still are from the old culture, they, that still reflect the current alcohol norm. And so I think that this is very important to find tools. And uh, Richard says that they have some provocative, some funny uh, memes even to challenge people that question why someone would make an alcohol-free choice. And I think for the cultural change that is the journey that we are all on to establish cultural recognition that everybody benefits from alcohol free choices being available even the people who like wine once in a while benefit from it just being normal and being attractive to make an alcohol free choice when they feel like that that benefits their overall life situation or or the decisions that they need to make the next day much more than using alcohol all the time. Can you explain a little bit more how other people benefit from alcohol-free norm? Even the, the alcohol users? Yeah, like everyone. Benefits. Everyone. Mm -hmm. I think that there are at least two dimensions. So, first of all, we know that preferences are more diverse than yes, I want to use alcohol and no, I don't want to use alcohol. So even alcohol users, they don't want to use alcohol in every after work or on all the Christmas holidays and, and so on. So people benefit from just alcohol free choices being more available because that increases their freedom to say tomorrow is a really important day at work and today that just helps me if I can have the alcohol free beer that looks as cool as what we traditionally thought is cool. The other dimension is I think that we all benefit from alcohol-free choices being more available in the sense that there is less pressure from overall society on a certain type of behavior. So there is more diversity and so environments become more inclusive people feel like, yeah, I can actually go and hang out with my colleagues or, yeah, I feel actually welcome in the football club and so on. So I think these are two of the dimensions.
So, for example, I've talked about that sort of journey that people go on from just signing up for a silly challenge to changing their lives. But that that's not the end of the journey. People also go on to become activists. Um, and what we use, we, uh, around uh, five to 10,000 of the people that we've, we've worked with are now part of a, a group. They, they don't want receive fundraising requests from us. They're not involved anymore in the groups because they feel they're kind of done. They are, they are just waiting for our emails to come through so they can email their MP or they can talk about minimum unit pricing or they're getting involved in um, their citizen activism campaigns around um, um, irresponsible labelling. And that is, that is what we need. That's in this country anyway. Um, it, we're not going to get change from, from the top of the moment um, the, from this government, but we, we, we can get activist change. So that for me is where these two things knit together and they don't become alternative ways they become holistic ways of changing 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 society so yeah that cultural conversation but also that political conversation i think is are both facilitated by dry january actually christina what is it that you selected as the fourth and final part of the conversation you had with andy and richard i selected the part that made me very excited and it was the activism part and that's the people who have been involved in these uh, communities they do not stop there just at, at their own health or the, their own benefits but they take it further and they actually want to engage themselves uh, in uh, some kind of initiatives for better policies or for creating environment where more people can also experience this um, alcohol-free life or alcohol-free choices, that it will be easier for more. Yeah, I think it's very inspiring. There's lots of hope in this conversation. And I think about two pathways. It's uh, It connects back to what you said earlier, this kind of holistic approach that we need to empower individuals to make healthier choices and we need to change the environments so that people actually have a fair chance and the other thing is about self-agency that we discussed earlier and i think here you can see then in some of the figures that richard uh, talked about you can really see that that it's happening that people experience uh, empowerment a stronger self-esteem and so they want to get involved in community issues You can find more information about Hello Sunday Morning and Dry January in the show notes of this episode. And of course, if you have feedback, if you have questions or any kind of suggestion, please get in touch. My email address is mike.dunbier at movendi.ngo. But of course, you can also find my contact details in the show notes and you are most welcome to reach out. The Alcohol Issues podcast is made by Arin Pinho, Kristina Sperkova and Mike Dünnbier. Our theme music for this episode is by LF Music. That's it for this special edition of the Alcohol Issues podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay well and safe and as always, hopefully see you next week.